0: hey hi welcome to someone else's movie the podcast where an actor writer director or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make i'm norm wilner senior film writer for now magazine and welcome to the show My guest this week is Nadia Litz, an actor-turned-filmmaker whose new movie, The People Garden, starts a limited run tonight, Tuesday, May 10th, at the TIFF Bell Lightbox, a month after making its world premiere at the Buenos Aires Film Festival. It's a mood piece about a young woman looking for a lost boyfriend in a creepy Japanese forest, but it's a little more complicated than that. Nadia chose Clute. Alan J. Pakula's 1971 thriller starring Jane Fonda as a New York actress who moonlights as an escort, and Donald Sutherland as a small town cop who believes she holds the key to a friend's disappearance. At the time, it was seen as a revolutionary work. Fonda won an Oscar for her performance as the complex call girl Brie Daniel, and Andy and David Lewis's script scored a nomination of its own. Didn't win. Four and a half decades later, in the age of CSI and SVU, Clute plays like a conventional studio project commandeered or infected. By the American Indie Revolution. And it's all the more interesting for that. This is someone else's movie. I'm always fascinated by people's choices. Yeah. Like everybody, I was going to say everybody surprised me. But just lately, it seems to be tipping into either I'm learning to, oh, that makes sense. But this one, this one is a really clear choice because it's, uh, it seems anyway, built around the strong female lead, sort of an incisive psychological drama. This is all your stuff.
1: I think so i mean i'm almost surprised by the choice myself actually but okay. um because i i i wasn't sure what to pick i went through a couple of things at the time i was watching some other pakula i was really into all the president's men so i almost chose that but oh. i felt like people had seen that movie whereas i feel like clute is still a little undiscovered it feels like it hasn't been watched by as many people hmm. um but um you're absolutely right that Ultimately, I think I respond to it because of this female character. Um, I find her very fascinating, very raw, very real. And, you know, coming from an acting background, I think that I, I, I miss that we don't seem to have those kinds of characters anymore. I would love to play, and I know many of my colleagues would love to play a role like this. I just don't think they're built that way
0: anymore. Um, I, I wonder. I mean, certainly... Like watching it again, it really struck me how little Sutherland has to do with the film. I mean, he, the titular
1: character yeah. of Clute is is only a side story to yeah. her story. Really, you, you
0: could easily call this film Brie Daniel. Yeah, Daniels, because her name changes a couple of times.
1: I mean, I think I've been trying to figure that out since I agreed to do this. Is why why is it called Clute? And I've done some research. I'm interested in in what you think. I don't know if I've come out with with a conclusive. Answer. I have some theories.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm by all means. <laughs> You're the well, guest. You can... Freely... Yeah,
1: I mean, one theory that I read, which I thought was quite interesting, was that it's called Clute because this is this is the story of the moment when this character, Bree Daniels, um, changes. And we're watching her change. And this theory that I read online from you know a reviewer what, was that uh, Clute is, is really the inciting incident to that change. And I thought that was kind of an interesting idea, although maybe putting too much power also in the character Clute that he somehow facilitates her change, um, because I think there are a few other factors that might facilitate her change. I also think it's interesting because maybe it's there to... You know, a, a lot of the reviews that both liked it and didn't like it point out that it's an awkward or an unsuccessful thriller, mm-hmm. and I really see that as as part of the point of of the film that there's these expectations that are kind of built around a thriller um, story that are we are let down as viewers of this movie. They they don't quite succeed. It doesn't quite succeed as a thriller. Um, and this, the idea of a thriller being that this, you know, um, detective comes in and solves this crime and ties it all up really neatly, and I think by calling it Clue, it, but then having it not be about him and not about this detective who can actually solve the crime, I think that. It really kind of draws attention to that genre itself and and maybe can be sort of subversive in its gender politics that way too i don't know those those are some things that are just floating around
0: <laughs> I, I wondered i mean my thought is that it was just the the easiest way for the studio to give it a title like it probably the one is that. One title <laughs> and this is right after that wave of films like bullet yes and What's the other one? Madigan and all yeah. that. Like, just Mitchell. Name it for the guy. But
1: then why not call it
0: Bree? But why not call it Bree? Yeah. Exactly. And I think the reason they went with Clute is just because it's a weird sounding name. Like it's a. <laughs> you know, remember there were there were a couple of other movies that were marketed. Sh- they were marketed solely on the idea of. Ooh, this is a weird sounding word. Let's find yeah. out more. Yeah. So, Clute is just, well, it sounds.
1: Well, it succeeds. It's yeah. better than calling it Brie. I don't think it would have been as successful had they called it Brie or someone suggested Ms. Daniels, <laughs> which yeah. would have been quite silly. But um, no, I think it's an intriguing aspect to the film that it's called Clute, but it it really isn't about, yeah. uh, about him. I, I always think it's funny, too, because you can analyze these things to death and come up with all of these reasons and you know it absolutely it could just simply be that the studio found it like a fun interesting kind of name that had nothing to do with gender politics whatsoever yeah. and i'm reading into that now but it's uh it's it's a cool aspect for a cool movie i think yeah
0: yeah and i wondered, too the other the other theory i had is that maybe uh in a film that that sort of traffics in paranoia and suspicion and and characters who appear to be upstanding and are not, or are are, are entirely upstanding and also awful. Um, I was just trying to figure out if maybe it's supposed to throw suspicion onto Clute himself, because we know it it is possible, given the layout and given the whole 70s vibe, which I think Clute was one of the earliest films to really express that kind of cynicism and and
1: towards the downward
0: spiral of it, distrust of authority. Absolutely. Distrust. It is entirely possible that John Clute is the killer. Right. Um, he's introduced just sitting silently and weird at this this great opening sequence. And it's sequence. Donald
1: Sutherland. Yeah. So. And
0: it's it it's anybody's guess. Yeah. Also, you're seeing Donald Sutherland play straight right after Mash, where he was decidedly not an establishment figure. Yeah. Could yeah, go either way. Pointed
1: out too, um, like because we just also watched the the behind the scenes, yes. and he's wearing this fabulous. I had never seen that, and he's wearing this fabulous seventies yeah. fashion hat and looks kind of nothing like he does in in clute and it is quite an extraordinary performance for him too playing that mm. straight because obviously his politics were much more in line with you know the, the image of the 70s jane fonda yeah. you know so it's um it's a it's a good performance by him too but yeah i think you're absolutely right that um that we we might think it's it's clute that the killer is clute um, or that even maybe we are supposed to, even though he's not the killer, we're supposed to distrust him in some way. I, mean, I was almost rewatching the film this morning when I watched it for this, wondering if that was also part of what we were supposed to have to be thinking about this idea of this very kind of straight laced character who then takes this woman and and really becomes this. Um, he straightens her out. He cleans her up. Right. And you know ultimately it's you know is it a happy ending or is it a bit strange that she kind of changes in this way too i mean i think it's asking a lot of these deeper questions that you know i I don't have the answer to i just enjoy the movie but
0: yeah yeah. i don't i don't i don't even know i I was trying to figure out how you pitch this in 1970 how people you know we take this canadian and this (laughs) this this tabloid hellion that Jane Fonda was in a lot of people's eyes that's not who she was but that was the image that was there and we put them together in a movie about how awful New York is (laughs) and like it panders to every midwestern imaginary heartland audience (laughs) thing you can think of but it's also not about what that image is it's about how the city fails to break Clute and how she isn't actually broken either she's just Trying to figure out who she wants to be, and the, there's this ambivalence about the morality that runs through the entire movie that I just find absolutely fascinating because yeah. he's so mono, monotonic. It's not monotony; it's something else. His well, he effect, barely it, even
1: says anything, yeah. too. He 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 doesn't have the dialogue. He's just very straight. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. Even once he's introduced as the you know presumptive lead, it instantly flips to her in the city and just follows her for. 10 or 15 minutes until he catches back up to the story.
1: Yeah, we don't get to know much about Clute. I mean, we don't get to know much about her either. The, the idea of backstory in this movie is not is not there at all. Yeah. Um, and I kind of like that. I kind of like that we're, we're we're meeting them and we're basically made to make these assumptions probably based on our own preconceived notions, too, about what each one should be. Um, so, I find that really interesting.
0: Yeah, I i mean, the, that little featurette, which is on the Club DVD, if anybody wants to find it, uh, eight minutes long, terribly produced. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a commercial film. It's, a, it's come cr- and watch the locations of this movie <laughs> that you're seeing. But there is a line, a throwaway interview line from Fonda, where she explains that she thinks Bree Daniels comes from an upper middle class family and has some college. I and,
1: found that really surprising yeah, and, and interesting. None of it is in the film. I, I wondered, though. Um, did did she was she given this backstory? Did she make this backstory? Was that in the script and then cut out?
0: Yeah.
1: I you know, I just I this is not a segue to talk about my own film, I swear, but I just made a film and um there was some backstory to our my lead character, female character, and um it was removed, um and I, I'm wondering how people might respond to that because I think it's sometimes hard to maybe identify with characters sometimes when you don't know when, where they're coming from it's more challenging certainly for an audience and I think in the case of Clute with, with Brie Daniels with the Jane Fonta character that you know she's a prostitute who does not have a heart of gold at mm-hmm. all yep. you know she, she's manipulative and very unapologetic um, very fascinating too because she wants to be the only thing we know about her is that she wants to be an actress we don't have this idea that she went to college. We know she's smart, but um, I wonder what the reaction t- to that kind of character was at the time, um, and if and if that kind of movie was made today, what what would the reaction be? I don't know. What was your reaction yeah, Well, you-
0: certainly, I mean, the first time I saw it, I was it must have been the late eighties, I guess, and it was just presented as this thriller that was really important, like in the in the yeah. evolution of the of the. Uh, the Hollywood studio thriller because right around that same time is this huge upheaval of the new Hollywood and the renaissance of directors making, you know, Bonnie and Clyde and, and course, Bob Rafelson yeah. emerging and everybody just doing more naturalistic stuff. And you can see those elements yeah. here, but they're almost nailed into the format of an existing Genre, which is the straight-up thriller. This is basically, you know, like it's a CSI episode now or a Law and Order episode. It's sex killings yeah. plus the one witness. And yet, we the don't cop. see
1: any like for a prostitute movie about sex killings. We don't see any of that yeah. gratuitity, well, even like mean at all. Really, yeah, like this, it's
0: all happened before the movie starts. Really, I mean, yeah. We, uh, we see we we watch a crime be stopped.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, but that's the extent of it. And I yeah. was really surprised that that the what they do instead is this sort of. Prefab nah prefabricated is the wrong word. It's what they do instead is this early slasher aesthetic right. where we are watching someone follow Brie uh with a kind of la 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 music background thing the out music. of out of De Palma or, or even um you know, Pino kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's it's wrong it's wrong for the, for the format. I know. And it's fascinating. I way. love it. Though. No, it does yeah. not work, <laughs> exactly. right? Because now we know what it is. Uh,
1: yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think that's what really, because I, I watched it for the first time only a couple of years ago. Oh, so, really? Okay. Uh, yeah, so I this was not like a film that I knew in film school or, you know, obviously it's not a film that I grew up with. <laughs> My parents would be very weird if they showed this one to me. Um, but, so I only watched it a couple of years ago and I was really immediately struck. I mean, you're right to say that it kind of hits a few of my interests with the female character. Um, and then also this, like, kind of weird thriller mystery um, side of it. I mean, those tend to be some of my favorite films and the kinds of films I want to make. And, you know, so the, I think... The
0: acuity speaks to me. To right. Speaks to you of you to me somehow. It's like oh. that sense of focus is the kind of thing you tend to go for.
1: Yeah, no, th- um, I mean, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I... Um, yeah, I, those scenes, you know, it's funny watching it back now because there's a few scenes in there that I feel like are almost painful to sit through <laughs> because they're actually quite boring. But the, the stuff that really resonates with me is obviously the stuff between um, Jane Fonda and, and Donald Sutherland, these sort of character moments, that great, great scene where she's got that sequined black dress on and it's quite a long scene mm-hmm. too between them it's really really fascinating but then the other thing that really stands out to me are these like thriller almost kind of thrasher or like the use of the seat the you know the, the 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 man sort of walking on the ceiling and that whole like drawing that in mm-hmm. and using putting the camera behind the sort of bad guy with a long lens as if it's his POV, but then also it's he's in the shot too and it's it's some of these elements that are really like creepy, just like inherently creepy, but in a way that somehow then manifests itself as a character study of, of, of her. Which yeah. I mean, none of those elements are congruent, really.
0: No, I mean <laughs> but it works. Yeah, there are elements from there are elements that Bob Clark would then take for Black Christmas and invent the slasher movie. Right. But those same elements in this context are just a further acknowledgement, like we're not the only ones watching her. Yes. That it's about study, that it's about her being observed and analyzed constantly, and
1: Oh, the that's also Yeah,
0: the conversation yeah. she has with Cluter also similarly, like, he keeps asking key questions that she won't answer, and they're innocuous questions. She's right. just not interested. Right. Um, which is the other th- thing that really fascinated me this time on this watch was just, oh, yeah, she's acting all the time. Yeah. And it's only when she's acting for the audition that we get the sense that she's not that great exactly she's a much better actor when she's unconsciously doing it and the way she mimics everybody around her well
1: I mean and she even as the character discusses that in her therapy sessions because she says how I mean the, the question for her is why does she keep turning tricks and why doesn't she concentrate on her acting career and she gets so much power and she obviously is quite good at it at the acting that she does you know while she's turning tricks and she's really turning a trick on clute for mm-hmm. almost the entire movie oh, Maybe absolutely. arguably I don't know What you think But I mean um, Maybe the whole Maybe even up until the end Who knows I don't know That they're going to have A happy ending Like a life together mm-hmm.
0: well, The film seems <laughs> you know? pretty uh, Ambivalent about yeah,
1: that I think so I think so
0: It's it's weird I still don't know That I've ever That having watched The entire movie again I don't know That I've seen Brie Daniels Like I don't know That she's in it
1: And that's definitely Even in her
0: therapist She's performing
1: Yeah Yeah, very true. And I think that's also, you know, another reason why I respond to it and kind of what I started off saying that I don't think you have opportunities always um, as an actor to play those kinds of roles where you can remain mysterious. And, um, I mean, that's what, to me, you leave the theater then talking about that character. I mean, we're still talking, you we can talk about her for an hour, we can talk about her for longer because you're kind of... Every time you watch it, your reading of it will be slightly different, I think, depending on where you're at in life and the sort of context of, of what's happening. And, and that's what truly makes an iconic character, I think, is not being able to penetrate that character fully and understand. So I think you're right that we don't quite see her um, show, up, show up. Although I do think that in those scenes with the analyst, I think that we hit... Some type of nerve about what kind of character she yeah. she is, and that she likes performing. I mean, yeah,
0: maybe that's it. It's the theatricality of her delivery absolutely. that's still her pushing herself upwards, yeah. inflating herself for the benefit sure. of, of analysis. Sure. And her choice. I mean, even the fact that she chooses Saint Joan for her audition piece because it's yeah. an existing play. Yeah. So presumably she brought it in. Yeah. Although she does. Does she give it back? Did she give the script back? Is that, that scene, or is that a different one? I can never remember. There's a couple of these. I can't moments. remember
1: either. I mean, I just watched it. Um, the other, the other actress who comes in after her, though, I think brings in her own script. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think she must have brought it.
0: But it's one of those I things think. where it's a tick that tells you so much more about the character than it's supposed. Than, than yep. she would want us to know.
1: Absolutely, as yeah. And, but there's very few moments of that I think where the film is even giving us an indication of what she is because it feels like, you know, the whole film is almost unraveling from her. Um, from her performance of a performance,
0: do you yeah. know. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's about the you know the, the classic um, character study dynamic is that you can't run away from who you really are. Right. And that's not what this is. Right. Someone is coming at her. Yeah. And who she is is irrelevant. Yeah. In, in terms of the thriller mechanics, she is. And maybe that's the other thing that feels so radical is that in any other movie, she would be in the first act, deliver a line of dialogue, and leave. In, like in the law and yeah. order scenario, she the yeah. call girl number two.
1: Absolutely. And
0: instead, we stay with her and we see everything in, that she goes through and, and we see how she isn't just a victim and how she isn't just a statistic. Yeah. And her friends are, which is the cynical bit.
1: Well, and she doesn't know what role to play, too, because I think when she goes to see her friend and her friend is, is, is drugged out, I mean, it's... Again, I was reminded this morning that when I watched it, that she that's the moment when she decides to go get... High and then yeah. kind of go back to the world because she almost feels I think that well no that's the character that I'm supposed to be so what is she, like you know she's hmm. still kind of figuring out that that element but we don't ever conclude we don't get a conclusive answer as yeah. to she, there's no kind of epiphany of Brie Daniels character where she's like ah and now this is right, I right, have right. changed we're seeing her change start I think but I don't know that we ever see it happen.
0: Yeah. I was thinking know. in any other in a commercial version of this film or more although I suppose at the time it was that was actively commercial to make a movie with these two actors right. in this situation. <laughs> but now it would be there would be much more of a, a moralistic streak imposed on it, just because that's where we need us yeah. to go collectively. Yeah. This, that would be her wake-up call. That would be the moment where she throws away whatever paraphernalia absolutely. she has, and instead she just goes out and gets fucked up. I mean, yeah. that's how she—that's how she has Re- to process.
1: Reacts it. to it. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I, and I really do find that radical. And it's it's strange to me that that, you know, that we haven't kind of progressed from 1971 when this film was made that. That it's almost become we've regressed, I think, in terms oh, of what we allow um, our our characters, our leads, to to go through, and that there isn't this kind of big epiphany. And there's this sense that you know, if we don't have that epiphany, that we can't learn. But we do. I mean, we do. I I find it's very insightful, even though I don't relate to her, you know, other than that she wants to be an actress. Maybe I relate to that part, <laughs> um, but I don't, you know, relate to. <laughs> Being a prostitute. I don't know if I have to actually say that. <laughs> I, um, I think phrase,
0: but... <laughs> you can phrase it as I don't relate to her immediate reality.
1: Yeah, I don't re- relate to her immediate re- reality, but I certainly learn about myself from her, I yeah. think.
0: Um, well, that's so, the attraction, right? I mean, yeah. watching people in lives that we wouldn't lead is what was the other thing about drama. So. It's the yeah. it's, it's empathy and it's understanding and yeah. illumination. But it's also, I was, I was thinking about this, there are movies like um, uh, Heaven Knows What. Uh, oh, a smaller yeah. film where you can actually spend time with an addict, and yeah. I mean it's it's semi autobiographical. It's based on the, the woman playing the addict. It is her own life, right? Uh, more or less fictionalized, but. You can do that in a low budget film where the stakes are minimal <laughs> and sure. where people can, you know, they won't be horrified at the idea of Julia Roberts, you know, crunching up math yeah. or something. <laughs> or you can do it in something like Breaking Bad where you're the entire first two years of the show are about false glamour and then the last four yeah. are about revealing it. Yeah. But you need to have a game plan. You need to have a, a guiding intelligence that tells the, the viewer that this is what that kind of movie is. Yeah. Or what kind of story it is. Yeah. And you can't do it with movie stars because people won't buy it. They just somehow, or not even people will buy it. Those films will never get made.
1: They will get made. I mean, the thing, you, the, the phrase movie star, I think, is the problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, because I didn't live in the 70s, so I don't know what it was like, um for Jane Fonda because she she was a, a movie star, mm-hmm. I'm right? In that like she was yeah, considered Yeah, well, she would like, already what? made
0: Barbarella, Yeah. you know, in terms of exposure and in, in, in and She was a known she was a known entity. And Henry Fonda's daughter, so right, all her of course, private activity, yeah, yeah. Her, her personal life stuff became tabloid fodder. Right. But she was absolutely established and notorious when she did Clute.
1: And I also heard that she because she actually did Clute because she needed money because she had given her money away um, to the leftist anti-war mm-hmm. uh, yeah which I found really shocking that she was in need of money because you know um, but obviously that her political um, endeavors which she's so you know n- known for um, especially from that era that um, that she, her response to that was then making Clute, playing like a yeah. person who obviously had to figure out a way to make Money. I don't know, I just found that funny, that she, yeah. she did this as a response to making money, but then she really turned it into something that has become um, so iconic, won her first Oscar for it, um, deservedly so, I think. Yeah,
0: it's, it's. I mean, it is, it's a performance like nothing else at the time, I think, Yeah. Which is the other thing. Yeah, There's.
1: I was on a train of thought, yeah, about movie star, I think, too, yeah. and whether or not, in this day and age, a movie star c- could be this... Raw, vulnerable, I don't know. I mean, I don't see that many performances like that. Do you? No. You watch not, more movies? Not <laughs> as often, no.
0: I mean, I think the environment was such, too, that in the 70s that was being produced. Right. Uh, you know, like Roland's Woman Under the Influence was three years away. Yeah. There, there oh, three was years a,
1: away, wow. Yeah.
0: It huh. cl- cl- predates it. It's, uh, although Cassavetes was working with her then already, and she was, like, faces had, I think, been shot the same year. Right. But there's a there's a sense that wow. that was the time when the culture was ready for it. And what Fonda does is—I mean, it's totally method. She's she's immersed herself completely into it. The the um, even the fashion choices, which are yeah. alternately really interesting and really weirdly stylized, yeah, for nineteen seventy-one New York, because yeah. it's a little bit disco forward, and they're not there yet, but they're coming.
1: But I feel like that type of character. I mean, they even they make. I noticed again, notice all these little nuanced when you when you watch it a million times, but. Um, that's a character makes a comment to her like, oh, so-and-so meaning her other friend who was a prostitute um, used to dress like you. Right. And then it cuts to that this prostitute is strung out and clearly has been going down a, a darker path where I feel like that kind of that type of breed, Daniel's character would have spent the money that she made turning tricks, not necessarily paying rent or mm-hmm. you know p- yeah, um, buying food, but that she would have bought Sort of fashion, so there is this kind of artifice as well to it, um, which kind of goes inside with her performance elements.
0: Yeah, and it just feels like all of those ticks are expressed in in fun as her her entire oh. being. It's it's one of those performances that doesn't. I mean, it obviously very much is acting because she's channeling all kinds of stuff, and it's a, the character is a little ticky and a little ex- physically expressive. But when she's shuts herself down. You feel it. Like yeah. you actually feel the work happening, which yeah. is weird. Um because nobody else, like Sutherland is just standing there. Yeah. So many scenes, just demonstrating a totally different kind of acting approach. And it puts what Fonda's doing into larger relief. It yeah. it actually makes it look better and more interesting by simply by holding the screen.
1: Yeah. She's I doing think,
0: incredible stuff.
1: I think you're right that the juxtaposition between how those two people are, are approaching their, their character really speaks to the character. Um, themselves. I mean, I think that it's true that Donald Sutherland is is much more restrained and um, maybe more methodical, whereas she feels as though, and I think there has been talk that she ad-libbed or um, that she was in character saying those things in the therapist. The therapy
0: scenes are famously, yeah, Yeah. just largely improvised. Yeah. And also a few other decisions she made even before shooting started. Apparently, I just found this out, uh, she decided the character should have a cat. Which is why we don't see the cat for the first half of the film. Oh wow! They just didn't find the right one, or they would. She well, Brie would have a cat.
1: That's so true. She has a cat in the scene. Well, the apartment, the the apartment itself, um, in the scene where we first see the cat has changed. It's become. It's they've cleaned it up. Mm -hmm. I mean, it almost looks like an entirely different apartment. It's sort of after she goes through this drug withdrawal that Clute helps her through. Um, but yeah, I, I. That's so true. Mm-hmm. She doesn't. Where was the cat? Yeah.
0: It opens with her feeding mom. the cat. Uh, the first right. scene, she comes home, she feeds the cat, she licks the spoon. So it's obviously just tuna right, or something. Right, right. And it's I spent the rest eye. of the movie thinking, what?
1: where did where that cat? The cat? What's yeah. a New York cat? It's independent. It it's just out going out on the out streets, it. had friends, and, right. and yeah, yeah.
0: And they don't use it as a scare. They don't use it as a shock. No? And like Any other movie, the cat would be dead. <laughs> yeah, that's the, true. After the assault on the apartment, that sort of symbolic attack on her.
1: What did you think, and I don't, I mean, in a way this is spoilers for people who haven't seen it, no, but... No, we presume,
0: ideally, people will have yeah, seen this okay. at some point.
1: Um, but what did you think about the fact that we so clearly see who the killer is, the bad guy it is... It doesn't
0: even try to hide it, does it? It's not. It really doesn't try surprising. to
1: hide it, and it doesn't even, it feels like it's interjected somehow into the story. I mean, I think it's a really fascinatingly edited movie to, I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously shot incredibly by Gordon Willis is another reason why I I, I love it. But um, it's also really very smartly edited. Um, But that is very noticeable when we see who the murderer is because there's kind of no indication. And I was trying to figure out why did they decide, was that in the script? Was that something that happened in the edit? Because it would have seemed too, like, gotcha if they had waited until the end to reveal... But how did that affect your viewing and it, did it or It's funny I did it remember enhance
0: it? I remember thinking the rhythms were weird when they did <laughs> it but it just felt like it was another one of the maybe one of those experimental moments in the 70s where they tried something and it didn't quite work Yeah but it also the the classic AB plot story of a thriller right like you need to cut away from the characters to give just to to give the audience a breather and let them Absolutely. process whatever information they've learned. Yeah. and here they don't actually do that so much no. as just give you other information. <laughs> tell
1: you who, yeah. who it
0: is. And it made me wonder, for the longest time, it made me wonder why the movie would do that. And now I think that be, you know, if you follow along the the postulation, he said pretentiously, <laughs> if you follow along the postulation that it's about. a a character who would be first act fodder yeah and then never seen again instead by following her we need to know why she's still alive and what the point is and the point is that the killer needs to know where she is so he can eliminate the last link in the chain that's what this is about he's cleaning up he's using the missing persons investigation to clean up his own mess
1: but it's so interesting because they don't use that introduction of his well it's not an introduction to that he he's it's just flat out like oh here's by the way This here's, guy is here's the killer, the, the, and, this the is killer and this is what he's doing And it's time, 25 yeah. minutes in And, and then it, we kind of leave it Again for for a while But it's not even done In a way to build suspense Because mm-hmm. you know Sometimes they do that In thrillers Where they'll, they'll show you You know obviously Like a Hitchcock or somebody They'll kind of show you Um you know what the actual thing is, and then and then it's just about watching someone solve it or why or whatever. but it's not done in that way either. It's really, I think, to announce the fact that it's not a thriller. so don't almost prepare for that kind of satisfaction. Yeah. that was that was maybe my reading. It's just another it. way to make
0: people wonder what they're really watching.
1: Possibly. yeah, yeah but I don't know that and stay it's... active and yeah. yeah
0: I don't know that it's intentional. I, that's what that's no, what's I so fascinating about it is that these are scenes that would go in another movie they they would make sense in a different type of film. yes, but this. It doesn't Isn't that quite, sort of film? No. I mean, it would be like to, to pick up the De Palma reference. It would be like *Dressed to Kill*, where you find out what yeah. the character's been up to in the scenes where we haven't seen him.
1: Right, right. Um,
0: it would it deflates everything. But it also, in this case, just keeps you on this weird footing where you're not totally sure what it is what you you're should watching. be paying attention yeah, to. Yeah, and,
1: and again, I, I find that utterly fascinating, and that the film is really successful on that level, which I think is really hard to do.
0: Yeah, it shouldn't have worked.
1: No, it shouldn't have, and 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 ultimately, it, it you know. For some people it didn't i read that new york times review from 1971 did you read it yeah
0: there's a lot of hostility being thrown
1: there's a lot of hostility i mean thankfully for like ebert i read you know his i thought was he got it (laughs) he got it in the way that i want want people to get it but um yeah that new york times review i don't know who even the reviewer was was.
0: it might have been candy
1: I, i can't remember but um yeah they just they just did not they yeah. did not like it. They wanted a thriller. They didn't and, want to have to think. Yeah, and
0: you can dismiss it as a tawdry sleazy look into New York <laughs> you because can. that sort of kind of is possible, that yep. reading of it. But yep. it's deeply unfair.
1: It's deeply unfair. I mean there's 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 moments where like the jazz music kicks in. I don't mean the sort of leitmotif motif that's throughout, which I think is amazing. I love that 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 mm. um you know that one clue sort of
0: like quasi detective yeah, music. Yeah, yeah, I
1: love that. Um but there are some moments where um, you know, the the jazz music kicks in, and and it, you know, you can maybe sort of see that someone would get impatient and maybe have that reading um, that the New York Times did. But I also, yeah, I, I don't think that that's giving the movie enough credit. Yeah. It's quite a smart movie.
0: Whereas now, I can also just bliss out on the locations. And just, oh yeah. You know, that's a New York that's gone. Yeah. It, it isn't even changed. It's just no longer there. The tenements and the Lower East Side stuff, and the and the suggestion of Harlem as kind of a refuge for the. The, yeah. the heroin addicts. I don't know that that works anymore.
1: Yeah, no, I, I don't know if it does either. I mean, the funny thing to me, too, though, about that is that for New York being the backdrop, it's not a New York-like crime movie. It, the, the, you know, the, the city is not a character yeah. in this film the way that it is in some of those other kinds of films that it's, it's almost referencing as well. Um, but, you know, and you can tell very much, I think, watching it, that those. P- apartments are stu- like it's a studio mm. and you were saying to me earlier that
0: yeah Pacula uh, Pacula. Pacula built Breeze no, apartment is it Pacula in a... pa- it's I'm going by the video okay. uh, by, the, uh, okay. by the documentary piece. I didn't know either. Pacula built Fonda's apartment built Bree's apartment on a sound stage and it had a working everything It was you, you could and sleep there if you there. wanted to right. she had the option, I don't right. know if she actually did right. but Let's it was just a way to sort of box in that character in a strange way
1: yeah no it's it's um I mean I again not to segue back to my own film but no, um, dude, I used <laughs> i I did use um uh, a lot of the still images of from Clute for my production designer and and because I think that it's you know it it walks the line of being very naturalistic but also stylized you know, I think the whole movie but in, in its production design in its costumes as you brought up in in its um lighting. I, I, and I like that I mean I think that's necessary I don't like one for one so much I don't respond to this is reality yeah. I, I, I like a little bit of something and I don't like it when it's you know overly stylized as well so I just like the sort of feeling of uh, I don't know of art, of artistry yeah. in, in, in these lives but that apartment is really an interesting uh, I think place for shooting it's just like a a box for Gordon Willis to light. It's great. <laughs>
0: yeah, I really... I can't wait for a Blu-ray edition just to see what it's supposed to look like because I've only ever seen it in VHS and DVD and they just don't do justice so to the It's so
1: dark. Fans. I mean, his lighting is so dark in general, so I wonder <clears throat> in the Blu-ray if it will be...
0: Oh, I hope so. Yeah. yeah. Like... Preserve the levels. Yeah. Get somebody to properly restore great. it.
1: Yeah, I had read um, as well uh, just the other day when I was researching this a bit that about a quarter of the way through the filming... Um, that Jane Fonda said she didn't think she was right for the role and that he should have hired Faye Dunaway. Really? Why I found that interesting was because one of my favorite actresses is Faye Dunaway and I think that she's kind of entirely misunderstood as an actor and and I really respond to her and I also obviously really respond to Jane Fonda in this, so I found it interesting that she she had said that Faye Dunaway would play this role. I could see it. Uh, I, I don't know... How you? I mentioned that to my partner, and he was like, "No, I can't see that at all." Faye Dunaway is much too glamorous, and and this character is supposed to be so gritty. And I thought, well, Faye Dunaway though has that kind of vulnerability, that kind of raw, like almost unlikable.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. I as as soon as you said her name, I thought, oh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I could. I mean, I'm sure she could have done it. Sure. But I wonder if, you know, exploring this take right. is so indelible, obviously. I agree. I, can't see I mean past it.
1: and to me, how could you think that you weren't right for this role when you so clearly are this role? But right. I found that interesting.
0: But of course if you're playing a woman who is an imposter, you're gonna to start to develop imposter syndrome. Oh my She'll God. just convince <laughs> you're herself so that right. she shouldn't be doing it.
1: <laughs> you're so right. Uh,
0: Dunaway I think would have just been too big. Yeah. In the in the panic scenes, in the terror scenes. <laughs> she just yeah. go she goes big. That's she her goes dunaway. Yeah, yeah. She does. And she's great at it. No, she I mean, is really great like, at it. In Chinatown you just can't look at her for, for the pain that she's putting <laughs> I know. out.
1: I know. That's I a, I I love her in Chinatown. This is a
0: net positive.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. No, I just um I mean Jane Fonda it's funny though too because she's not small in this movie. She's not done away big, mm-hmm. but you No, know, it made me think when you said said that because she's she is such a presence, Jane Fonda, in this movie. She's, again, like not naturalistic, but naturalistic. Like she yeah. just has this quality of, of um, I don't know. It's it's uh, I, I'm in awe of her in this movie.
0: Yeah, you know, I my take on Brie this time around was that she's someone who can't figure out why she isn't happy. Mm-hmm. but we but she knows she just can't articulate that it's because she's not getting acting gigs because that would mean that she isn't good at it which would mean she'd have to do something else and she's just spending so much time investing in her own misery like that's that's the addiction the addiction is tricking that she keeps falling back on that because it gives her the sense of control over her life that she's missing she even says this yeah. she articulates it and then immediately dismisses it
1: yeah, no, she she does. I mean, I don't know. I think also, I think when you know that you're performing in life, when you can't separate that high or that rush that you get from almost manipulating um, people into their perception of you, mm-hmm. that that, I mean, knowing that on the inside would be, you know, total misery. I mean, you would hate yourself. I mean, I don't... I, I think that's kind of why she can't um, be happy in in a way, is because she know. I mean, it's a very she's a very cynical yeah, character. Right. It's not. It's rare that you see females, I think, that get to be that kind of dark.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think at the time it was more welcomed. Yes, like you yeah. Could, everything was in everything was in flux. You could experiment with, with all sorts of characterizations. I still think the most subversive thing to do now. Or not not now, but the most subversive thing to do where with where the film ends would be to pick up and have Clute and Bree be supporting characters in some pedestrian big chill drama where (laughs) they fully assimilate, (laughs) she's fully assimilated into the suburbs and she's gone to Pennsylvania and they're still there. And it did work out and she can't stand it. Or she can, and that's what she can't stand. Oh, I would love to see
1: that movie. Maybe an American
0: Beauty kind of situation where she you know this is this is exactly how or, or God, you know, like a uh, uh, twenty years on, they have kids, yeah. and They've got they teenagers, and it's the whole it's, thing about how you'll never understand your parents. Is then uh, you become, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's so many different ways to to take her story forward, which I yeah. think is what's so great about the character is that she's so rich that you can see any of these paths. Or she's back in a week, like she said she might be. And well,
1: yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I also, I also read um, that she was seeing Donald Sutherland during the making of this film, and that he was in love with her, uh, <laughs> and that she broke it off because she said, you know, I, 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 can't be with just one man right now. I've got to be with many, and and so you even think of that in terms of the Brie Daniels character that yeah, ending up with Clute in suburbia would be like the worst nightmare for not only apparently Jane Fonda but also for Brie Daniels and, and seeing where that kind of led because again, it's almost as if their, because they cu- they couple in the end, in, in, mm. in a way, but it's ambivalent, I think, yeah, yeah, too.
0: And it's not like Donald Sutherland would have been a square, responsible life, either. No. As, a, as a romantic partner, I'm sure <laughs> yeah. he was pretty interesting.
1: <laughs> I know, I worked with uh, Ross of Sutherland uh, a couple of summers ago, and, you you know, you never want to just say sit down and say, like, tell me everything about yeah. your your father, but he actually does um, talk about you know, his dad uh, quite a bit, and um, some really incredible, incredible stories of of that man and and in, in that sort of era to I won't tell any of them except for this one that I think he would be okay with, which is that he once took a an ambulance from Montreal to Toronto with a woman that he was seeing I think a French woman I can't remember who it was but because they like couldn't find transportation in another way so he paid an ambulance driver like an enormous oh, amount okay. of money and they actually like, went with the sirens <laughs> on and drove from Montreal to Toronto so I feel like got like an hour
0: off the trip that's very yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a very sensible solution it's a
1: very sensible solution but one that probably only someone like Donald Sutherland <laughs> could, <laughs> could choose to do so extravagant romantic and odd yeah. but um
0: he but really, yeah, swoony.
1: He's very swoony, I know. But so yeah. tell me more. But, uh, yeah, that's my, that's my Donald Sutherland insight.
0: Yeah, we've never met. I've never no. interviewed him. He stretches out like this incredible shadow over, over cinema, really, from yeah. the 70s and 80s and 90s. Uh, and I interviewed Kiefer and Rossif a day apart at TIFF this year. Oh, okay, yeah. Because Kiefer was here right. with the film he'd made with Donald, uh, Forsaken, and Rassif was here with uh, River. Right. And it's really... Like the two of them are nothing alike, but they're completely alike. It's oh interesting. I, I don't
1: know a, Kiefer at all. Like I've never met him. And, yeah. um, they're
0: both obsessed with process and really interested yeah. in, in minutia. Yeah. And neither of them is particularly enthusiastic about talking about the relationship because, of course, you know, like, why would you if you're the act, if you're an actor yourself, you don't want to be in a shadow. Sure. But um, but of course, Kiefer and and Donald are together in this film, together, and he yeah. said that they'd they had spent more time together making the movie than they had in his oh
1: their, that's like, interesting if, for a
0: set period like a window of time it yeah. was the longest time they'd spent together okay
1: was... I've got one more Ross of Sutherland <laughs> and Donald Sutherland story which I feel like he wouldn't mind me selling as well but this is a great one as well if you've met Rasev, which you have, mm-hmm. you know he's very, very tall. Yes. striking, uh, Just strikingly, strappingly tall. <laughs> Lovely to look at. And, um, and he, he told this story in his of way about how his, his dad, which obviously is Donald, um, sent them miniature ponies for Christmas one year. And so, I don't even know how you send a miniature pony, but that they were all too small for... The, they're all, I, I guess, kind of tall on the Rossiff side of the family, and um, they had to send them back because they were too tall to ride these miniature ponies. Oh, God. It was like, oh, I went... My dad took me to Chuck E. Cheese when I was dead, yeah. <laughs> my birthday. <laughs> I wasn't sent... Yeah, uh, sorry, I'm just thinking, like, what,
0: what sort of strata do you exist in where you can send people ponies, and then where there has to be a process for taking them back?
1: Exactly. Like, That's I like feel this, like it's a different, yeah. you know, life. That, it's the
0: stuff that of a people. Weezer lyric, you know. Like, <laughs> I returned a pony for you.
1: Yes, exactly. I loved you so much to get you a pony, but then it didn't fit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I think that...
0: Um, but he does exist in a different sphere. Yeah, Donald Even now Now that he is this Phenomenally imposing figure With the white hair And the beard And and the Hunger The Hunger Games films Are perfect
1: Yeah For him him, I know
0: Uh, But to to look at Clute And think Oh that's where You're going to end up I know
1: I know I know He he does seem um, Donald does seem A little bit terrifying To me as well Or um, Imposing Yeah I think is the word But but um, Clued and Don't Look... Um, oh, yeah, ba- don't, don't Look uh, Now. Don't Look Now, or, right, Don't Look Back.
0: Like the whole run of the 70s Oh, stuff.
1: man, I mean, that is the ideal kind of, I don't know, man or character actor or something. But, but he was he was something else. Um, they don't make him like that either. Um, but, yeah, I, I would love to see him almost go back to, like, a really kind of, I don't know, like, lead, lead role with a little bit of heart <laughs> Yeah.
0: Sometimes. what would you even do with him now he's so I don't know he's so fixed in that weird space of, of yeah. being a, the grand lion or something I mean you could do something I suppose you could do something like remember like, with Plummer or right. Orlando but then you're playing oh, and yeah. you're playing weak and that's not what we want from him either I want to see him just yeah. explode
1: yeah yeah, it's true. I mean, I would—I la- haven't seen him uh, the work that he did with uh, Kiefer, but I-, I would love to see him work with Rossif. Like, I-, I think that because I think you know, Rossif actually has some qual—some qualities of young uh, Donald Sutherland in him that you know haven't quite been maybe fully realized on on screen. But that would be a cool, I think, um, pairing in some kind of film. But I'm not going to write it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well i mean we could spitball something yeah send, send in your uh, <laughs> yes please send your pitches to the twitter <laughs> account. yeah yeah i don't know i uh, so then the um then there's the, the the final big rap question which is the one that i ask everybody which oh. is you know is there anything from either the film or, or from Fonda's performance that you've leaned on or riffed on or stolen or how
1: oh definitely yeah i mean i think you know it's it's obnoxious to talk about really great works of art in relation to your own work. Um, because I also think that then people look to draw parallels that they might not see that you know you know is there. But I, I've stolen um, I've stolen a lot from this film and the film that I just wrote and, and directed, you know, even as I've said, just you know, showing photos of the production design. Um, and the lighting, so obviously stuff along those lines. But I think it also just taught me a lot about these kind of converging um, uh, uh, kinds of films, that it's a drama, there's a bit of romance, there's a thriller aspect that doesn't quite, you know, live up to the genre. Um, I find that really, really fascinating. I think it's also a very, like it honors the female character somehow in, in, in this movie. Um, and not in a way that is typical, you know, she's not like this strong kick-ass woman. She's just a really full, rich, interesting, beguiling, mysterious, sometimes unlikable, sometimes likable character. So, um, you know, that, that I've, Stolen. I've tried to steal Jane Fonda's acting. I don't know if successfully, but I'm open again. Send in your ideas for Donald and Ross, <laughs> <laughs> and then send in your scripts where I can play Jane Fonda roles. <laughs>
0: yeah, I was going to say they'd be great in a remake of The Sting, but there's no female lead.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> like ah, uh, no.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a flaw. And that was made two years later. Like the the freakiest, yeah. clunkiest kind of movie, and yeah, int- int- intentionally so. Yeah, but yeah
1: no very very.
0: Clute was a very different movie
1: Clute was an extremely different movie yeah
0: Yeah. Um. and even with the again if you have the DVD handy watch the feature they clearly had no idea how to sell it like Warner didn't know what they were selling they they made this entire thing about the seamy New York City locations and how the city eats people like depresses. what is it? Fonda has a line. <laughs> another one of her interview lines is about how, you know, oh, I lived here for a while, and you come back and you're so stressed right away. It's, I know. That's what I love about New York.
1: I know. I was like, really, you're stressed out by New York? And as they're as she's saying that, they're showing these like great gritty like looking scenes of Harlem. Yeah, um, yeah. Definitely watch the that featurette. It's it's pretty cool. I could I could watch more of those. For sure, yeah. I was going to say something. Now I forget. But oh, was it about I the guess...
0: sting, antiquated films, convergent films?
1: <sighs> something. I'll the, think about it <laughs> on my way home. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, the antiquated film thing, or not the antiquated, the convergent film idea. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not a hybrid. No. Like, there, there are hybrid films. Not a pastiche where they, or even yeah, too so deliberate choices. Yeah. But this feels just like a bunch of ideas that are somehow souped together, and turn into something that is its own thing.
1: I would be really curious to know what the script. Like the the true script for this film was, and how much they did in in the editing, and and how much they did on on the day with the actors too. Um, but um, yeah, no, somehow somehow I think it works. But I also think it works as a slight critique of that kind of thriller genre with this detective who isn't quite able to solve the crime. I, I do feel like there is a reading of the film that. Really lends itself to to that too. It's of the time as well, so yeah. Yeah,
0: no, I think you're absolutely right. Did we
1: talk enough about her hair? No. <laughs> I thought the whole thing would be about her hair. I'm glad it wasn't. You can talk about no, it. No, I don't want to.
0: Do you, do you want to <laughs> if that's something you think yeah. you'd want to steal or borrow? No.
1: <laughs> no. Yeah, her wardrobe in it, sure.
0: <laughs> um, uh, Kate had pointed out that there is a proto Julia Roberts pretty woman look in there.
1: At yeah, the I guess like the high the high boots is that the thing? Yeah, I th- think
0: so. And the short skirt. Not yeah, bit, so yeah, maybe.
1: yeah. Well, I mean that's
0: the more aggressively prostitutey clothing. Yes, like say. the choices that the choices that don't look <laughs> yeah. like she's trying to, to fit yeah. in. Yeah, Prosti- aggressively prostitutey. I don't think that, that's, that's a not call. a phrase at all. It shouldn't be. Yeah. No.
1: Yeah. no. I was, you know what else is interesting about the film? I mean, we don't. You don't have to include any of this. And I just <laughs> <laughs> was thinking sure. as well. But I mean, it's 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 oddly like a comment, like it. I mean, there's a lot of different things happening in it, because I love that scene, too, right off the beginning, where the camera is, like, you know, dollying past all of the, the actresses waiting, mm. and they're all being kind of judged. I mean, t- in terms of, like, backstory, or set up in terms of what, what this woman's reality is like, I mean, that has nothing to do with the story whatsoever. Or that scene where she then goes to meet the um, the director or whatever. Those are kind of elements that are just really nice shadings to yeah. the, the Character, but have nothing to do with kind of the plot, or they we never kind of go back to that either. And I don't know, I find that really kind of interesting too. Just the
0: daily life that she's coming from, or
1: yeah, and and just as sort of like yeah, I don't know, commentary on that what it is like to be a woman somehow.
0: Mm. And even the that shot of all of them lined up in (laughs) Mm -hmm. the agency, it's shot with a tight squeeze. It it, Mm -hmm. it looks different from everything else, a little bit more anamorphic.
1: It 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 very much looks yeah different yeah no it's shot. Um, totally different,
0: but. Just to be a little more alienating. Yeah, you.
1: yeah. I miss. Yeah. It's a good movie. Let's go see cool.
0: it. <laughs> My thanks to Nadia Litz, whose new film, The People Garden, starts a three day run at the Tiff Bell Lightbox tonight, Tuesday, May 10th. If you're in town, check it out. It's moody and weird and very much her. Oh, and if you haven't caught Nadia's performances in Monkey Warfare and Big Muddy, they're both available on iTunes. You can find Nadia on Twitter at Nadia Litz, all one word. And you can find Clute on DVD from Warner Home Entertainment and for rental and purchase on iTunes and Google Play. We'll work on that Blu-ray campaign. Maybe Criterion is interested. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner and elsewhere on the internet at nowtoronto.com. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at semcast, mcast and on the web at someoneelsesmovie.com. If you want to leave a review on iTunes, that would be lovely. This week's call sign is Studio Apartment. Thanks for listening.
1: I'm afraid you just